Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands use podcasting to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shearer, and my guest today is Pam Didner, a B2B marketing consultant, producer, and writer. And I'm really happy to have Pam here. And she's here to talk about scaling content across various regions of the globe. So before we dive into that, first, Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Boy, you, you, you d definitely look happy to be here. I love your energy. It's awesome. I'm here talking about my favorite topic, scaling content across regions. Yeah, it's fantastic. We're going to get into that in a second, but give us like a 30 second version of, you know, about yourself, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. I'm a B2B marketer through and through. I was in the corporate world actually for about 20 years and I left corporate world and wrote a couple of books and decided to uh, stand on my own feet. So here I am doing a lot of content marketing, account-based marketing and sales enablement, anything that's related on the B2B side, if you will. Let's get right into our topic, scaling content across different regions. And, you know, where I want to begin with that is that I think a lot of people might assume that if you're dealing with, you know, APAC and EMEA and all these different regions, that mainly we're talking about translation, right? You have a piece of content and you're like, well, we need to get it translated into German and Japanese or whatever, whatever, right? And that's definitely part of it, but it's more than just that, right? So let's start by defining our terms. So when we're talking about scaling content across different regions, what does that actually mean, including translation? But what, what else are we actually talking about? Yeah, there are a couple layers to that specific question, Jeremy. It also depends on what part of it, what aspect of uh, scaling content that we are talking about. So I want to talk about from two different layers, if you will. One is kind of how to work with your counterpart at geographies. The other one is really, you know, what are type of content that you need to be aware to scale? Right. So when you scale contents to different regions, just like you said, right, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, that's easy to do. We just translate that. That is the minimal level. In general, when you try to scale content to different region, you can take the same content, even use the same language. No problem, because like a lot of people can read English very well. And of course, I'm talking like the, the content that's in English. That's one level. And translation is another level, if you will. And then there's another level is basically, can you customize it? That more tailored to like the local's needs. That's a localization of the content. And there's another level, which is personalization, which is, can you take the localization to a next level and personalize it to a different vertical, different segments or whatnot within that specific language? And so... In terms of a localizing or scaling content, there's a different level that you need to think through in terms of how you want to scale your content across different regions. So that's one layer of it, which is more a technical level. Another layer of complexity is people, right? If you have to scale content to a different regions, that means your company is growing. Yay! And then you are trying to tackle a different region to sell your products or whatnot. That means you also have another, you have counterparts that you have to work with. 
And so it's not just like within your corporate world or your corporate headquarters that you work with the people you are familiar with. You have to work with the different geographies or different countries. So another way to scale content you need to think through is what is your communication and collaboration process that you set up with your counterparts, you know, on the ground? And that you take their feedback. Now, all of a sudden, the content becomes two-way street. It's not like you create content anymore. You should do that. Don't take me wrong. But they also provide feedback in terms of what you need to do. And you take that as a planning stage, plan that out in advance. That will help you to scale. Right. So clearly, this is way more involved and complicated than just having something and translating in, into a different language. A lot more moving parts and pieces. I mean, of course, you can make it very simple. Just translate content. And I'm not saying that's wrong. In many cases, that probably should be sufficient enough. But there's more to it. And you should explore that. I would probably say in many cases, that's not enough, right? I used to work at... Um, a large corporation. I spent my time in the corporate world too, you know, and, and there was definitely a lot of that. We had offices all over the world, all different regions, and it could get very complicated creating a marketing piece that might make perfect sense in the United States, you know, for the messaging we're using. But like, just to take one example in Japan, if they were just to kind of translate it word for word, it, sometimes it just literally wouldn't make any sense. They're just, you know, cultural nuances and idioms and stuff like that. And, you know, and given that, like, I don't speak Japanese and no one on my team did. So it, it could be really complicated to really figure out what it needs to look like in Japan or Germany or wherever. So let, let's maybe start right there. And like, maybe you can give us an example of to drill down a, a little bit just into that particular layer of the cultural part of it. So I can share two examples with you. The first example you mentioned about messaging. I 100% agree with you that the messaging part of it have such a delicate role in terms of a content creation. One specific example that I would like to use is when I was in the corporate world and we are selling a product and the product is basically said, uh, the one of the messaging we want to say is this product is very secure. So, you know, we can protect your privacy. We can protect your personal data, right? And uh, this is a global company, so we dial up security as a key message. Well, guess how that message worked out in China or even in Russia, right? And the government actually has a lot to say in terms of what kind of data or that you can actually own. Having that security message, it did not resonate very well with my Chinese counterpart. And then after several rounds of a conversation, we have to change our messaging specifically tailored for the Chinese market. And then we focus on performance, right? This product will give you a high performance. So we modify the messaging. And once you modify the messaging, you know, everything trickling down, right? So before you create content that dial up security, but now you also have to create separate content that dial up performance. All of a sudden, this is not like one one on one translation anymore. So this is really from messaging's perspective. The other example I want to share, which is you brought a very good example in terms of Japan. A lot of people don't know this. Like, for example, like many countries kind of follow U.S. and also European education system, if you will. Like the, the school year starts in September. Unfortunately, in Japan, the school year or their new year or even the company's budget 
you know, they start in April. And that's a cherry blossom time. From their perspective, when a cherry blossom, the spring start, the new year starts. <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense for them. And then when that explained to us, it makes sense too. So, you know, when they were looking into like the messaging, the product launch, right? So now all of a sudden you talk about the timing of the product launch in Japan. It's probably better somewhere around April, May timeframe. But for us, it may be like in the beginning of the year or, you know, September when the workforce like go back, we start the second half of the year. Then the timing, the product launch timing takes into account and also have an impact in terms of the content planning for the company. So now, say the Japan comes back to you and say, you know what, our product launch time need, cannot align with you guys 100%. Or, you know, any content that you created, can we wait for a little bit to actually, you know, to push out or to launch in the Japanese market? So, you know, these are the kind of details that you have to take into account when you try to scale your content across different regions. That makes me wonder at what point, and I'm sure the answer is here is, it, well, it's going to depend on a specific situation, but at what point for a given company, for a given marketing piece, does it make sense to take existing content and then try to repurpose it or to just have the marketing team in that region create that content you know, on their own from scratch, given that they know so much more about the audience and the region that a team somewhere else in the world could ever know. At what point might you conclude it's just more efficient to have that team do create their own content? I love that question so much. In fact, I like, oh my God, that's a great question. I have answers. I have answers. You know, actually, Jeremy, the question you ask have been asked by many, many marketers. And so I have worked with many clients related to this specific challenge they encounter. And I, again, I have two or three answers to this. It has a lot to do with your product. If your product is homogeneous across different regions, it probably makes sense that you have a centralized type of content management because the product is consistent across regions. Then if you actually have a similar content, you probably can take that and then, then just translate out. Okay, I'm just make it very simple. However, if your product is heterogeneous, which means your product, the packaging of your product or your product is different from region to region. This is more so on the consumer product like painting, which is the hair product. And the packaging or the name of the product might be different between, say, U.S. and Brazil and China. Because the product, the naming of the product is different, the packaging is different, then the content creation, I 100% agree with you, probably should be almost 100% localized. And then the corporate provider guidance in terms of what is the messaging or what's the creative guidance and what's the branding guidance. So I personally think product plays a huge role to make the decision in terms of should you centralize your content or you decentralize it. But it doesn't matter. In reality is there's always some form of collaboration that needs to happen between the corporate and also the geographies. So the communication still needs to happen. Based on my experience working with many B2B companies, there's always some, it's always a mix. There are content being created by corporate and then, then the geography will take it and localize it or translate it or customize it. Then there is also some content 
especially if geography has a budget. This is a budget discussion. And they will also spend their money to create localized content specifically for themselves. So answering your question is the product play a huge role. The budget also plays a big role. And then the next thing is the collaboration between the two. Now, another layer that you mentioned is different content teams collaborating together. Yes. I don't believe that the, the ownership of content should be 100% a corporate or 100%, say, at the geography level, because if that each geo create their own content and the not necessarily have a central force to have it communicate, it create a lot of duplication and also inefficiency. But that doesn't mean that you have a corporate talking to geo and, you know, that everything is efficient. That's not true. But I'm just saying that each geographies, if you leave them alone and they do their own thing and there's nobody really kind of rally and drive the communication, I personally feel that there is a tremendous amount of inefficiency when that happens. Right. And, and the danger of going off brand and just creating a lot of confusion about how are we talking about this product? And like, it can just get, get off the rails if there's no one overseeing the whole thing. And, you know, another thing that strikes me, particularly as it pertains to different marketing teams collaborating and working together. And again, I'm speaking a little bit from personal experience. You know, it can be a little bit tricky because these might be people that you've never met in person. You might not speak the same language. You might have like enough English in common to be able to basically communicate, but there, there could be some significant language problems. And also there's just the, especially when it comes to content, you know, we're talking about creative people involved. And I know from, I'll speak for myself as a kind as a former copywriter and as like a quote unquote creative, there can be some ego involved, you know, and you put a lot of a lot of work and time and energy into creating just the right messaging and just the right piece and it's perfect. And then you kind of hand it off and what the hell are they doing with this? What are they are messing it up? You know, they're changing this and that and the messaging is all messed up. And like, I think a big part of it is trying to put your ego aside. You know what I mean? I think that's something because I've seen it happen, like that can get in the way and just the nature of your relationships with these the literally the people, the individual people on these other content marketing teams is pretty important. You brought a very good point in terms of working with the different regions. And especially if they create content, they have a copywriter, they have designer they work with either, you know, within their offices or they hire us throughout us through agencies. And I always suggest to my clients in terms of if you do work with the different geographies, it's very important to actually have biweekly or even monthly call and then to keep that relationship going. A lot of time you will be working with them, but you never really never met them in person. My recommendation is have a regular call because when you actually have a regular call, and that you have a specific topic, that's assumed that you create content, you write a copy, through a regular call, you will say, hey, this has been created, can we talk about it, right? So instead of send it off through email or through a regular channel of processes, it's when you have a regular call and everybody get online, you know, to see your face, not to your see your face, it doesn't matter. But at least you hear each other's voices and then have a frank conversation about it. So I highly suggest if you do work with the different regions and you have a content they create, you create, that needs to be make sure you align and using the same messaging. It's nice to actually have a regular calls that happen. And if you don't have agenda, 
great, you can cancel the call. But it's very important to actually have that regular call in place and keep that relationship going. The interpersonal relationships are so important there. Okay, Pam. Well, you know, I, I mentioned up top that you are, among many other things, a podcaster. You have your own podcast. And so tell us a little bit about your show. I have a, uh, a show called B2B Marketing and More with Pam Dittner. That's me. <laughs> so we usually talk about anything B2B related. And like I said, it's related to MarTech integrations, account-based marketing, content marketing, sales enablement. And sometimes I even talk about career developments or even how to manage stress as a B2B marketer. So there's a wide array of topics we talk about. I would strongly suggest that if you are a podcast listener, you can go to your favorite listening platforms and check out B2B marketing and more with Pam Dittner. And let me know what you think. Love to hear your feedback. I'm a subscriber. It's a great podcast. You made day, Jeremy. You made my day. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm also excited that I'm going to have the, the honor and the privilege of being a guest on your show pretty soon. So yes, I'm, I'm really excited about that. We're going to talk about, about your favorite topic, podcast. I want to learn more. I mean, I do my own podcast, but I would love to hear more in terms of what's the technology out there, what's your insights and wisdom. It should be fun. Pam, is there anything else that we that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure our our listeners take away from our conversation about scaling content across different regions? Two things. It's kind of like words of wisdom from me working in the corporate world and also in the global world with so many regions for many years. If you do actually work with your counterpart at the country and the region level, good for you. And I know how hard it is. You probably have come to realize that no matter what you do, you cannot make everybody happy and you will never make everybody happy. So just embrace that, internalize it and embrace it. You will never make everybody happy because you cannot make everybody happy. You need to make sure that you explain your decision, your strategy or your priority. Explain it well and make very transparent to them. There are countries you can't support. There are regions you don't have money to give to them. But make sure that you say it the way that, you, it, you know, you mean it and explain why. And that, to me, that's very important. And the other thing I would suggest that you do is when you work at the regional level and also at the country level, whatever promise you made to them, they actually look up to you that you're going to carry forward with your promise. So whatever you say you're going to get done, make sure you get done. And you will win your respect and that will go extra miles for a long period of time. Great advice. Great advice. So, Pam, one just one last thing. How can people contact you? Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, major social media channel, except TikTok. I have not gotten my dance down yet. You know, once I get that steps down, uh, I'll make sure I get there. No, I'm kidding. But you can reach out to me in any social media channel. I'm just not on TikTok. And every question related to content, sales enablement, account-based marketing, or anything B2B related, reach out to me anytime. Be sure to subscribe to Pam's really awesome podcast. And Pam, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Really, I loved it. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. 
If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.